Welcome to the Building America from the Inside Out podcast, where we work to find actionable solutions to issues facing our country today. I'm your host, JC Pohl, and I am so glad you're here as we work together to build America from the inside out. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you're doing all right. Having a great day. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Today, I want to tackle an issue that I think is just a big issue here in America. It's an important issue for us all to look at. Um, And it's an issue that's been brought to light by the U.S. uh, Women's National Team. And that is the uh, gender pay gap, Uh, the uh, the women's pay gap that we have seen talked about so much in the news and so much in the media. And of course, the light has been shed on it. Uh, by the U.S. Women's National Team. And so, you know, I just want to take the time to maybe offer some of my thoughts on it and how we might be able to close this pay gap or, you know, things that I would do um, when it comes to equal pay conversation. It's a relevant topic here in America. And for me, as a business owner, as someone who is also an executive, when I uh, during my time in L.A., when I worked uh, for companies like Disney and Warner Brothers, I did a lot of hiring uh, did some firing <laughs> and uh, did some salary negotiations as well. So I just thought we could talk about the issue and offer some insight. Um, so I wanted to uh, basically base this conversation on a Forbes article that I that I found on the internet. And so I just want to read you a little quote um, from the article. So the article said, and I quote, the current gender pay gap is commonly described as about 20%. That's the earnings ratio of the median women's salary in the United States divided by the median men's. Okay, Um, so I think, you know, this is an interesting place for us to start the conversation. So they're looking at, you know, women versus men. Um, I think that 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 stat can be a little deceiving. Um, As we know, for example, I'm sure that if we were to look at the field of engineering, which is a pretty high paying field, um, you know, probably... I would assume that field is dominated by men. Um, if we were to look at something like nursing or counseling, um, something that is probably considered a lower paying field, uh, that field is, is dominated by women. Um, so while there's a gap between those two, um, I wouldn't necessarily consider that comparing apples to apples, right? Like that's kind of apples and oranges, two very different jobs, um, jobs that have different values. Now, if we're talking about a pay gap within the engineering field, and we're looking at men versus women, um, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Or if we're looking at counselors and or men versus women, that's an interesting conversation perhaps to have. So, um, you know, f- for this conversation today, I know this is a big topic. We just have 10 or 20 minutes together, so we're not going to solve the whole thing here. Uh, but I did feel it was important for us to, to dissect some of these stats that we hear a little bit. Um, taking women and men and just dividing it, you know, I don't think is the most responsible way to have this conversation. But it's still a very important conversation to have. So let's dig into it. All right. So another study I found that was really interesting. So this is when it comes to Uber. Um, So check this out. And I'll quote this too. Um, I think it was from the article. Um, Compensation for the ride sharing app isn't subjective. All right. So let me just step out of that for a good. So compensation for the ride sharing app isn't subjective, right? Like drivers get paid when they pick you up. They get paid through their app. It... It isn't subjective. Um, It's determined by Uber's algorithm, okay? But this algorithm algorithm doesn't know the driver's sex, does not know the driver's sex, 
Nevertheless, researchers found a 7% pay gap in favor of men. Interesting. So something that isn't subjective, but um, you know, isn't determined by sex in particular, men still had a pay gap. And so what were some of the reasons around that? Well, men tended to stay on the Uber platform longer, and the algorithm rewards that. Um, men tended to drive faster. Yes, so if you get in the car with a guy, an Uber driver, may not be as safe as a woman driver. Uh, but men tended to drive faster, so I guess they could pick up more rides. And um, they completed more trips uh, in a given time. And men tended to drive at more lucrative times or in more lucrative parts of town that might take longer trips. All right, so when we start to dissect that, that data. So kind of interesting. So what, what are a few things that we can do? I mean, we're seeing some examples here of this pay gap. Um, so, so what are some of the things that we can do? Um, so one of the things that I think would work really well is allowing employees to discuss salaries with no fear of retaliation. I don't really work um, in corporate America anymore, but I know when I did, it was just like such a taboo topic, right? Like nobody really knew what anyone makes. Um, you don't even know what your good friends make. Uh, everyone's just kind of assuming something. You're going into salary negotiations, not even knowing like what you should be or should not be negotiating for. And I think this can create a lot of uh, issues when it comes to the gender pay gap. And it can create a lot of areas for error, right? Like, um, or not error, but discrepancy, right? Like one person could be paid 50 grand for a job and the other person could be paid 40 grand and it could be the same job and they never know. I, you know, I think we see this in the NFL. Like it, it's hard to maybe use the NFL as an example here, but we know what everybody makes. The contracts are reported in the media. So if you're a running back and you know that another running back just signed a $9 million contract and you performed better than him last year, well, maybe you can negotiate a $10 million contract. Or if you know that someone signed a five-year deal and you're looking to get a five-year deal as well, like you have some of those numbers to start from. So I think you know the first thing if we want to close the gender pay gap is just encourage and allow employees to kind of discuss salaries with no fear of retaliation, all right? Um, you know, Salesforce and Intel have actually subjected themselves to pay audits. Um, so that's something that companies could do is have an independent third party come in, um, do some sort of pay audit and, uh, you know, see, are we paying men and women um, the same for the same jobs? Is there a gap within these jobs and these positions? Um, I think another thing that would really help is to stop asking or caring about previous pay. And I, I know I've kind of maybe thought about that too with my company. Many, I don't know if you guys know me that well, some of you do, but I'm the CEO of a company called Teen Truth. So we do hire, uh, we work with many speakers and other people that work for our company. And um, you know, I think when, when I sit down and I make a budget or I have a plan to hire someone for a specific job, like I know what I want to pay that position. Like I have it in my head, I know the hourly rate or I know the total amount that I like to pay that person per year. And so for me to be worried about someone's previous pay um, maybe isn't as important to me, right? Like I want to hire someone I think can do the job. I want to hire someone I think is going to be a great fit for our company. And in my case, I want to hire someone who has a passion for, you know, building resilient students and, and building school culture. Um, so maybe, you know, if we are hiring someone not to focus so much on their previous pay, but just focus on like what the current job pays, like what level does this job pay? What's the salary range? And, you know, is this person ideal for that job? Um, 
and, and, and make these pay ranges radically transparent. Like, I, I mean, if we really want to get rid of the gender pay gap, I, I think it should be like in the job posting. This job pays 35 to 38 grand a year, or this job pays 60 to 70 grand a year. Um, the applicant should be well aware of what can be expected of them um, if, if they got that job and, and, you know, the range in which they can negotiate. Um, you know, and Starbucks did a lot of the things that I just mentioned. Um, they have worked very hard to close the gender pay gap using some of the tactics that I just mentioned. And it's really cool. They have a 99.7% pay gap. So that, that stat I read earlier, the, the American stat of, of the 20% pay gap, you know, Uber's 7% pay gap. Starbucks did some of these things that I'm talking about right here, and they have a 0.3% pay gap. Um, so these tactics and these strategies are working. Um, you know, and, and what can women do? Well, I think women can negotiate harder, right? We always got to be advocating for ourselves, working hard to get as much information as possible when we go into negotiations. Um, and then, you know, make sure you get what you're worth, like go in there and prove it. Like you don't need anyone else to tell you what you're worth. You should say what you're worth. And I think that, you know, women, you should really go after that. I mean, I know if I was interviewing someone, I'd want, I'd want to see that passion in them. I'd want to see them believe in themselves. I'd want to see them say, yeah, I can do this. I want to get this. Like I'm worth the 75 grand a year or whatever that might be. Um, and then, you know, I think the other thing that's important is to make sure that we're aware of the job that we're applying for. I used the example of engineering and counseling earlier in the podcast. Um, one of the reasons I use that example is because I am a counselor now. And I went to school here at Texas State, got my master's in counseling. I'm a marriage and family therapist now. I would say that in most of my classes, if there was 30 people in a class, there was probably three or four guys. All right, so the classes were dominated by women. And I think it's fair for us to say that the counseling field is, you know, probably dominated by women. I, I would assume that's, that's, that's fair to say. Well, one thing I can tell you being a counselor for the last four years is it is not a very high paying field. It's just not. Like I've been in business. I've made six figures. I have won top level awards uh, for some of the work that we've done. Um, I've run a company that has been in the high, high six figures. Uh, many years I've hired, I've fired people. And, and I can tell you one thing is like counseling is just not a field where you make a lot of money. You get caught in the insurance stuff. You get caught with clients counseling, canceling on you. Um, it's hard to build a business just in general. And so I think as you look at the gap, it's important for us to like have buckets in which we have this conversation, right? Um, if you're working on Wall Street, you're in one bucket. If you're working in counseling or say teaching, you're in another bucket. So, the, but the last thing that, that I really want to talk about, and I think would really help kind of close this gap, and it's the number one thing that I would focus on if I was in a position to close the gap. And in fact, I do focus on it um, with our company. And that is to make everything possible based on performance. Every dollar that someone makes, in my opinion, should be based on performance. I have been there, right? Like I've worked at Disney. I've been in those jobs where I think people actually feel entitled to like make more money in that next position they have or go to that job interview because they're going to make more money than they're making in their previous job. And it's just like this feeling of climbing the ladder, right? Well, ever since I've started Teen Truth, I've been launching this whole new world basically of sales. Yes, I speak in schools. Yes, I work with principals. 
But bottom line, I spend pretty much all of my time in the office working to book our program in schools. We want to reach more students, which means I've got to call principals. I've got to get on conference stages. I've got to get on conference calls. I've got to do webinars. I've got to do Facebook ads. I've got to do everything I can to generate as much interest in our programs as possible. And because of that, the ceiling is unlimited. I can make as much money as I hope to make, right? Like as much effort as I put in, unless I really suck at sales, which I think I'm pretty good at. I love working in sales and convincing people that our program can help them. Um, you know, I really feel there's, there's no ceiling. And, and I wish, I wish more people in our workforce felt that way. And I think it's hard to feel that way unless you've had a job in sales or, or a job that's more entrepreneurial because we think of ourselves just kind of climbing that ladder. Um, even the you know, hourly jobs that people have, we're trying to move from $8 an hour to $9 an hour. We're trying to move from coordinator to manager. We're trying to go up that ladder. But if every move was performance-based, I think things would change. And I was really inspired by this. You know, one of our one of our partners with Teen Truth is this company, LifeTouch. LifeTouch does all the school photography. They do yearbooks across the country. They're this awesome, huge company. And I got the opportunity this week um, to be at their summer sales meeting. All right, their summer meeting where they bring all their best sales reps and all their best people in from all over the U.S. and Canada. And it was so cool, man. Like up there on the keynote stage, there were guys. So there were executives like the VP of sales or um, the, the chief operating officer. But there was also the VP of marketing. And she was awesome. Or there's this lady, this one lady that does all the yearbooks. And her energy was just infectious, right? Um, they handled themselves on stage. They went after it. And I think, you know, just having worked with LifeTouch, which is just, ugh, the company's like way bigger than, than my company, right? But they, But everybody in that room, believed that they could win. Everybody in that room believed that they were in control of their own destiny when it came to the money they make. Whether they were a man, whether they were a woman, right? They're all part of a team. They're all working to win business for life touch, you know, take amazing school photos of kids, you know, have these awesome yearbooks that schools can, you know, sell to their kids and 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 keep as memories forever. And you know, I don't. I can't speak for Life Touch in general. Like I don't know if there's a gender pay gap there. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't think anyone in that company that that I've met um, thinks there's a ceiling. Right? They are like, all right, I've got to go out, meet as many principals as I can. I've got to book as many schools as I can, sell as many yearbooks as I can. And if I do X, Y, and Z, then I make X, Y, and Z. Um, so when performance is focused on as far as compensation. The employee is 100% in control. Everything changes. It's on you. There's no more begging. There's no more negotiating. They're just like, can you get it done? And yes, maybe sales or real estate or you know, all that stuff is easy to see that in. But we could, we could see that in other industries. Like We could see that in nursing. Yeah, how many patients do you see a day? What's your patient rating, like customer rating with the patients that you see? Or teachers, you know? Um, how many students are you working with? What kind of grades do they get? Do they pass their tests? Do they score well on their tests? Um, there, there would be a way if you took a step back to, to incentivize teachers um, to, to climb that ladder, right? Even call centers or, you know, what customer service rating do you have? Like you could pick apart any industry um, and probably find some performance element to the job. 
I mean, I, I see it at Teen Truth. Everyone we hire, we put on some sort of bonus structure. And I, I just think it's the fairest way to do it. But all of our speakers know exactly how much money they're making. They get a percentage of, of the program fee. Um, our salespeople know how much money they're making. They, they've got their base salary and they've got their commission structure. And it's like, boom, hey, it's up to you. I don't care if you're a guy, a girl, or what. You go get the job done. You're going to make as much money as possible. We're going to reach as many students as possible. We're going to hire more people. Everything's going to be great. And so I think when it comes to closing a gender pay gap, this is an important discussion to have. I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, allowing employees to discuss their salaries, maybe companies submitting themselves to audits like Salesforce and Intel does, um, maybe to stop asking about previous pay, and of course, being radically transparent about pay ranges can help. And then doing anything that we can, okay, if you are negotiating something for yourself or with someone, put them in a performance-based situation. Put them in control. That's the American dream, right? You can do it. You can, do, you can, you can achieve success. And if we can all just start doing a few of those things, I think that 20%, we can bring that down, no problem. And, uh, and I've seen it. You know, just in closing, I, I've seen it, right? I've worked with amazing people at LifeTouch that are women. I've worked with amazing principals and teachers and counselors that are women. I went to school at Santa Clara University and I was a marketing major, which ironically is probably more a female dominated major. Amazing women in our classes, right? None of those women thought in their head there was a ceiling. They were like go-getters or even something small. You know, last thing I'll say is today, my wife and I just finished the Camp Gladiator games. Uh, camp Gladiator is ba basically like a boot camp style uh, fitness program we have here in Austin, and they do this competition. It's, it's really fun. Um, but just getting to know the women in that program, it, it, it's so cool. Like it's a boot camp, and you'd think you'd think like the guys would dominate um, some of the exercises that we do and stuff. But these women are just awesome. The trainers are awesome, and even the games like. I mean, there, there are women that are friends of mine that like beat my number today. You know, like I was 26 minutes and some of our friends that we were with were 23 minutes and 22 minutes. And our trainer, this amazing trainer we have, her name's Amanda. I heard that she did it in 17 minutes. Like there's no way I could have done that course in 17 minutes. So women are a really fun place in our society today. Um, if we go out there and we go get it, there's no reason that we can't get it. And for me, I think that's how we build America from the inside out. Small steps every day, making progress, having success, and just winning. So that's it from here. Hopefully this discussion was useful for you. You have a great day, and thanks for stopping by. This has been Building America from the Inside Out with J.C. Pohl. If you enjoyed the show, like, share, and subscribe. Your feedback helps guide the show, so don't hesitate to reach out to us at jcpohl.com or on the JC Poll Facebook page. Enjoy your week, focus on solutions, and thanks for working together to build America from the inside out.